And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And today our guest is Sam Huggins. Sam is not too far away from me. He's over in Richmond, Virginia. He's a fairly recent college grad, and he's a production assistant in the uh, in the film industry. And uh, he's pursuing a career in the film industry, but he's also an avid street photographer and, of course, a filmmaker himself, which we'll talk about. And so, Sam, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me, Bob. I appreciate it. Yeah. Glad to do it. I. Um, yeah, I just con- actually connected with Sam fairly recently. He had submitted a really nice photo uh, to be uh, to be considered for Street Shooters of the Month. And when it came through, you know, sometimes I, I usually let them, they stack up and then we go through them, you know, a number of them. But whatever happened that day, I just opened it right away. I saw it in the email and I go, this one's perfect. <laughs> and, and that, so i put it in i put it in for september september's book now so sweet thank you so much I, that i am absolutely excited and to be honest with you words can't explain how i felt when i got that email uh it was funny because i had i was working and um that morning i was like i have to submit something these these photos and people were telling me you should submit them somewhere and you know, and I just pulled up like where to submit my photos because I I have no idea. I just take pictures and play around with them, and then that's it. And mm-hmm. then I post them on my Instagram, and then I saw street photography come up, and I was like, you know, that looks perfect. Uh, the title says it all, and I went through the submitted it, and probably like an hour later, when I was at work and getting everything <laughs> ready for this uh, commercial I was working on, I get an email and. I'm in my car and I go, I was like, holy cow, I can't believe it. I like, I just filled with so much excitement and it was a, a euphoric feeling for sure. Well, believe me, it never works that way. <laughs> I mean, we will post photos next month that mm-hmm. maybe we received last fall. We get so many. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we go through and we call them and, and, you know, Put, put our selections in a, in a place where we can get to them. And then, and then that's when we, when we put it together for the uh, monthly issue, then that's where we make the final selections. But, but it, you know, it doesn't help to be from Virginia. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. It doesn't hurt to be. From, I, was to say, I was like, man, yeah. I even got more lucky. <laughs> yeah. I just happened to notice you, you were, yeah, you were from Virginia, not too far from me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't hurt if you're from Cleveland, Ohio, either. I gotta say, <laughs> or I'll a Browns to, fan. I'll have to move up there then. <laughs> <laughs> move up there, like I said. Just don't go in January. That's when I'll leave. I'll migrate back down south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Wait till you're old. You know, old people come down <laughs> south. Young people work in the north and freeze their butts off. So, Sam, why don't you? T- Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got into photography and street photography in particular. And you might as well talk about filmmaking, too. I would love to. Uh, well, uh, 
My name is Sam Huggin. I recently just graduated from VCU in December of 2022. And, and tell everybody what VCU stands for. VCU is the Virginia Commonwealth of University. And I graduated from their art department, which is considered to be a, a pretty prestigious art school here in uh, Virginia and uh, up and down the East Coast. Um, and yeah, I didn't know I was going to pursue photo and film photography. I originally was going to be a graphic designer. And the way everything goes is an application process and you pick three of the things that you want to aspire to be while you're being at VCU. I chose graphic design as my first choice, photo film as my second choice. And I really don't know what was going through my mind at the time, but then I chose sculpture as my my third option. Hmm. Uh, to keep a long story short, I got into photo film. I was a bit disappointed at first not getting into graphic design. It was a definitely a transition, but hmm. quick, I quickly fell in love with the whole process and creativity of making images and moving images while I was at school. So it really just never stopped after that. Um, but street photography is new to me, actually. Um, I have a camera and my, that my mom bought me when I went to school and she she's a photographer as well. She it's a hobby for her. So maybe that's where it comes from. But she had bought me a camera and hadn't really used it a whole lot. Every once in a while, I would pull it out. But one day I told myself, you know, this is something that could be fun. True photography. I see a lot of I'm a people. I'm a people watcher and I kind of see a story in people when I'm out walking in the street, um, I hear conversations that people are having, um, seeing what they look like and how they're dressed is very interesting to me. And mm -hmm. the poses that people make in a natural habitat, you know, out in the street is, it's just, it could be really funny to me or just extremely interesting. Um, so yeah, I, for the past, I would say six months I've been doing street photography and photography in general, working my way to better understand natural lighting and um, working my way, hopefully to be a, a DP at some point, which is a director of photographer for filmmaking. And they are the ones who make the images. They sculpt the light on subjects and they bring they just bring the image to life is all, all I could really say about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> That's something I actually a lot of photographers have interest in. So, but right now you're working as a production assistant. Yeah. I mean, what, um, so what kind of films do you work on and what does, what is it being a production assisted assistant entail? Sorry. I can't talk today, so maybe <laughs> I'll just shut good. up and let you take over. <laughs> yeah, let me talk, Bob. Come on now. Um, a production assistant um, is you're pretty much a jack of all trades. And to put it in layman's terms, you're kind of bottom of the totem pole. But that's kind of an important position because you're really supporting everybody else at the same time. I, I wear many different hats on set. I'm going to be helping with lighting sometimes helping with camera, um, helping with, you know, making sure clients are happy, 
bringing in food, moving tents, moving tables and chairs. You're a gopher sometimes going for this and that. So it's, it's a really special position to be in, but it's a position that you don't, that me personally, I don't want to be in for very much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly I'm a production assistant on commercials. That's what Richmond primarily films, um, which is great, but it would be amazing to see Richmond break out into maybe more TV shows and films. And there have been some of those filmed uh, here from time to time, but it's very few and far between. And I think Richmond has just a lot to offer when it comes to those, you know, TV shows and feature films. But, um, but yeah, I've been working. What's that? Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'll ask you in a second. But uh, mostly for me, it's been commercials. And uh, there's actually next month, we're going to be having a feature film come to town. It's a little independent project from New York. They're filming their their narrative down here and for a whole month. And I'll be on that as a production assistant, hopefully Ooh. make some connections and work my way up. <laughs> hey. hey, that's, yeah, that's the way it works. So mm-hmm. when you say, Richmond, are you talking about, is that the name of your company or you're just talking about the city itself? I'm just talking about the city itself. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, Richmond, uh, I've got to really like, you know, we, I live 50 miles away and we want to go to a city. We go there because we get tired mm-hmm. of being in a small town a lot. <laughs> but I need to ask you, um, where's a good place to do street photography in Richmond, Virginia. Downtown, not much is happening there, I got to say. You think? I, I, well, have dis- it, I have to disagree. Well, you know what? Let, let me back up. I, I've only <laughs> been downtown like three times. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, down around by the, by the um, convention center in that area. Yeah. And so maybe I'm just missing out. I... I kind of hop around all over, yeah. um, but there is on Broad Street, which is probably the mm-hmm. most famous street in Richmond. It goes on for so long. It cuts through what is called the art district in Richmond. Yeah. And that's where I find a lot of interesting people in the streets. Some people that, you know, I don't interact with, but I take pictures of them. Uh, if they come up to me, I just talk to them about it. Um, but then I meet people that, I personally introduce myself and talk to them and I ask them for a photo. Sometimes it's more candid than it needs to be, but excuse me. But yeah, I would say the art district is filled with a lot of interesting people. Um, I've, you know, seen a lot. I've learned a lot on that street. You encounter people who are in a lower class uh not to be i'm not being prejudiced or anything and i'm not Mm -hmm. um you know identifying anybody in that way but just from what i've seen you see a lot of people from a lower class some people who own their own businesses some people just living life on the street and and see a lot of conversations that are people are having and it's just fun to for me it's just fun to kind of eavesdrop on what they're talking about yeah yeah just the drama that it can bring and you snap a photo and it just brings it so much it brings so much life to it but there's also just a lot of old buildings down there as well um 
one of my personal favorites is the Art Deco building that's in Richmond. It's probably one of my favorite buildings, just the way it's built. You don't see struck like um, city structures like that anymore. Everything's very modern. So to see something that's a lot older is always a treat. Yeah. So where's the Art Deco building? It's also down uh, Broad Street, uh, not too far from the Art District uh, area. There's mm -hmm. also a, a cathedral there that is mm -hmm. gorgeous to be on the outside and inside of. Yeah, I've been been by there several times, usually at night. Yeah, so so no, where exactly is the art district? If you were going to tell somebody from out of town that wanted to go find it to shoot, is it like north on Broad Street? It's a little closer. It's got like you're going towards downtown Richmond. Mm. It's it's uh it's in that direction. I'm really bad with directions. Um, yeah, Richmond you... is funny. It's like turned on its side. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's very <laughs> interesting. It doesn't really align with like I can't really yeah, say no. it's north and south because broad kind of broad kind of cuts through the middle of all of that. Um, but it's 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 not hard to find if you looked up Art Deco building or um I'm trying to think of any uh businesses down there nothing's coming to the top of my head but um wow i'll find it yeah <laughs> i'm gonna find my way around um also you brought up being a director of photography mm -hmm. and you know i always see that on the credits and uh so i guess that's the person i should look up when i really like the composition yeah photographic composition i did there's there's some i noticed like there's some television shows um where you know i'm i'm, I'm watching the show and and i look at the the frame and it's like the coolest composition and the you know nicest lighting and of course you control all of that right i mean it's not like it happens by chance when you're out on the street yeah you guys actually control that and and I always wondered who is doing that. Uh, it, some some television shows. One that one that comes to mind is Endeavor, which is I think it, I think it's over now. It's about Inspector Morris when he was a young young guy. It's on PBS. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple seasons where the, the, the photography, like when they're you know he's a cop, and when they're interviewing somebody in the in the interview room, and they've got the light coming in, it just you know the neatest angle and and uh, the way it sculpts their face mm -hmm. and uh you know i think as a photographer you can learn a lot from what what the um directors of photography do in movies and television shows i totally agree um some some shows of mine that come that come to mind to me um I'm trying to think of a show uh I'm rewatching a show currently called um, Band of Brothers, and it's um, oh yeah, it's an HBO show, and it's yes, it's all about World War II, and yep. it's specified around a, a a company called Easy Company, and mm -hmm. they had the most wild stories to tell because not were they were <clears throat> during World War II they were developing a new program called the Paratroopers, and that's where it all started. It, um, they had dropped them in Normandy behind enemy lines while uh, we had 
the army or whatever coming up on D-Day onto the beaches of Normandy. So uh, this was a whole new thing uh, for warfare. And so you kind of experience their <clears throat> their stories and they kind of they break down each character through the episodes and you just experience what they're experiencing. And one of uh, the episodes I just finished was the Battle of uh, Bastogne, mm-hmm. which was probably the worst battle, um, the worst, worst battle that they could have uh, ever gone through. It was it was terrible. But what I liked about the show is that it's it's very much it feels like a documentary and then it could feel more like a narrative on the fly and the the way they do composition and lighting for them is it feels like you're peeking into the past very and it's done very accurately um and just the colors that they're using for bestone is it's very much like grays and whites but it brings out so much color at the same time uh so yeah uh, that's one of my shows that i think is great um uh, another one that comes to mind is I just watched a show that was uh oh my god it was phenomenal i can't remember the name of it though but anyway that's all right um, it'll come back to you when you start it'll come back to me. yeah <laughs> exactly i'd like to take a quick break to thank the street photography magazine subscribers for your support we couldn't do this without you you may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast, or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. I'm glad you brought up Band of Brothers, Band of Brothers. That that's one of my favorite series that's ever been on HBO. And mm-hmm. it is. It's a great story. And you just gave me an excellent reason to go back and watch it again. Because mm-hmm. it's been quite a while. I used to work in the cable TV business. Oh, really? And uh, a friend of mine worked for HBO and she had these box sets of mm-hmm. Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Came in a really nice tin box and everything and so i got that and my son was in high school at the time so we we watched the whole thing together and uh uh yeah that was a neat thing to do father mm-hmm. and son thing mm-hmm. and that was before i really thought about lighting and composition so i'm gonna go back and watch it yeah <clears throat> hey, what about well, well go ahead go ahead i will just uh, as a rant of mine one of the things that i absolutely I don't I don't hate it. I, it it does it has a it has a it has a purpose um but you have to use it right and there's a lot of movies and shows that come out now where everything is handheld mm-hmm. which gives it mm-hmm. more of a personal touch and Band of Brothers does that a lot but it is important to the story of the show because you feel like you're in battle with people so when the camera's running you feel the sense of urgency and you feel the sense of you know I feel like I could, you know, die in this scenario. Like I could easily get shot and die. And also being just connected with these, you know, literal band of brothers, no pun intended, but you know, it, it does bring a quality of connection with the, the, 
the the tone and the setting and the story but i feel like a lot of movies and tv shows today do that too much mm -hmm. and i and i miss you know throwing a camera on sticks or a tripod and just filming it that way or putting it on a dolly and giving it some sort of movement um instead of just having a camera shake constantly 24 7 throughout the whole show that drives me nuts yeah uh saturday or friday night lights mm -hmm. if they did that a lot mm -hmm. i think that's when that technique started getting popular mm -hmm. but and, i mean friday night lights is about football so yeah it, it it fits in with that story very well very well um the bear on hulu i don't know if you've seen that show i, I saw the first one i, I want to go back and keep watching it that's, that's really an intense show that it's but that's the thing is that yeah. the handheld for the, they they go back and forth sometimes there there are moments where the camera's just still and you're just you could you could take in everything in the kitchen or with the characters but when it's handheld there's a there's a great great episode in that show where it's a big warner uh which is just the whole episode's done in one take so there's a lot of rehearsal and blocking mm -hmm. and blocking is putting your actors in a specific position and movement um so that the camera can capture that and um tell tell a story through that way but it's 20 minutes and the camera doesn't stop moving the whole time and the sense of urgency and stress huh. builds up throughout the whole episode until you have that climax the like the your the the director and uh the dp and the and the screenwriter are stretching this rubber band as far as they can until it breaks and then the main character has an like an explosive reaction and i've worked in the restaurant industry before and it's you'll hear a lot of people say this they got it as accurate as they could to put into a tv show mm -hmm. so they did the whole thing one take i mean they never change cards or anything i don't think so i don't think they did i think they just ran with it but they but it's an intense process of rehearsal mm. rehearsal rehearsal mm -hmm. you'd have to and everything relies on pre-production which is setting everything up for the day of shooting and if you don't have that down everything will more than likely i can guarantee will fall apart when you're rolling the camera so they had spent so much time with their actors rehearsing going over lines getting every moment timed specifically so that when you're watching the episode you're fully immersed into it and you don't feel that you're breaking away from the story and that's another thing is uh, images are amazing sound is always important mm -hmm. um if a movie a movie could have crappy images and probably don't want to hear that from a someone who's <laughs> takes photos but when in film if your sound is horrible yep yep no one will care at all so huh. don't forget about don't never forget about sound so important but Steven Spielberg had said this and this is probably the most important aspect of filmmaking and he said I'm quoting him he said if it's not good on the page it's not good on the stage so it all comes down to the writing process and getting that figured out uh making sure that everything is perfect with your script and even when it's perfect it's going to change throughout the whole process of filmmaking down to the the last edited shot 
when you're editing your film, it's always changing. Uh, but it's important to keep the integrity alive in, in what you're making. Wow. So how has, it sounds like you were into film or still photography. How does your experience in film um, affect your still photography or does it? I think it's a good question. Think about that. Um, I think when I was first starting out, I was just taking photos of people in the street and understanding. I was trying to find characters and I still am when I'm doing street photography. You're trying, I, I feel like I'm always trying to find a character to, to photograph. And sometimes when I go out, I, I have a, a mission in mind, whether it be lighting or composition or movement. Um, and I think movement is something that is very difficult to capture sometimes through photography, especially, mm -hmm. and it's probably, it's very difficult to accomplish in film as well, but you know, when I see someone riding a bike and they're going across, I have a split second to get that because they're just going to keep going and I'm not going to be able to catch up with them. But to answer your question, um, I'm always trying to find the right position, trying to find the right light on the person with natural lighting. It's very difficult. You're working with nature, you're working with the sun. It's always moving. Um, and I'm also trying to capture exactly what they're doing in that moment. So, um, so the photo that I had sent in of this little girl looking through a window, which is something that I also like too, is frame within a frame. Yeah. And I have a lot of photos of people looking through windows and, you know, it carries some sort of metaphor. You could read into that how you wish. But, um, when I saw this girl, it was just to me, the way the light was streaking down across from her um the way she had positioned herself at the window with her hands and her face and it's a funny story i was on the street and i was uh photographing this man who was sitting on a bench and he appeared to be um you know uh he appeared to be homeless and but he was holding this composition notebook this tiny little composition notebook and he was just reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it so i was taking pictures from from afar and then something struck me and i wanted to go up and actually meet him but before that i went behind him to see what he was doing and he mm -hmm. was just reading through these scribbles that he had in his little composition notebook so i took a picture of that as well and then i had sat down and talked with him and then after that i went over back across the street and i saw this little i saw the little girl looking through the window i had the wrong lens on to get that shot because she was a lot farther away than i was <laughs> uh she's just farther away from me so I just stared her down the whole time. I was just looking at her eye to eye because I wanted her to stay there as long as possible. And don't I changed. Move. I was wow. like, don't. And I was like, we had this kind of connection. I was like, do not move. You look amazing. So I'm just staring at her, changing my lens without even looking. And I get the right lens on and I just snap away. And then I went home and looked through the images. And the last picture I got of her was she's looking dead into the lens. It was the only photo that was focused and the light on her was perfect. And then that was that. And that's that I think that was the image that kind of kicked it off for me. <laughs> and I was I, I just that I was like, man, I'm finding some 
I'm finding something special out just walking around in the street with my camera. So you can. Yeah. You can. It might be another six months before you find another one. <laughs> exactly. Knows? Exactly. But never stop. Try and be persistent. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's that's funny. Usually when you notice that that thing that you really want to get mm-hmm. and it and it takes a while to get there, they're gone. Exactly. They're gone. I, it, I, yeah. It's it's it could be a it could be a it can put you down in your luck sometimes for me at least when I'm yeah. when I miss when I miss something I'm like ah, I missed it but yeah. then I always kind of remind myself I was like well that's just kind of how life goes so yeah, there's always right. something else that's going to come around and it'll happen and I think that's what I like about street photography is it's it's cliche but you're just you're just in the moment every second so you never know what you're going to see you're making me feel bad because I missed one it was a it was through a window charleston south carolina woman was uh i think it was like a side window in a restaurant she was watering some flowers and she had these clothes on that that sort of matched the flowers you know and it was look it was a really nice composition it's old you know all all these old buildings there i thought oh this is perfect and you know and i went to raise my camera and she saw me (laughs) you know and then she like turned or something and damn i missed it do you like ever ask for people's photos or is it just Mm -hmm. something that okay yeah no no i ask sometimes sometimes i ask sometimes you know i just shoot and move on Mm -hmm. Uh, but i like talking to people yeah me too Um, sometimes i'm a little shy so (laughs) i get that i get it in waves some days yeah yeah you know you just it's something you have to work through but mm-hmm. yeah most definitely the um i you know i made this comment to you when i first reached out was your artist statement not really realizing you were an art major at the time so mm-hmm. you know i i read a lot of artist statements or whatever you want to call them and most of them i have no idea what they're talking about mm-hmm um you probably see it a lot having been been an art major mm-hmm. um and yours is not but uh, i'm going to read one that i found i don't know this person it's nothing that came through the magazine mm-hmm. um but you know i was just looking up what i've heard a lot of people call art speak and it was i'll just read this real quick it's a group of i'm going to say blank because I don't want to give away what type of art they did. Works that aims at a void that signifies precisely the non-being of what it represents. Huh? Yeah. What is that? I don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) And then I read yours. I go, well, that's perfect. It's in plain English. (laughs) Thank you. You Maybe maybe they teach that at VCU. I don't know. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny because you said that, you know, I probably read a lot of artist statements and yeah, I have, I mean, they taught us in school how to write an artist statement and everything. And, you know, some people had really great artist statements and it was very inspiring to read. And then other people, they just got too vague, too specific. And it's just like, well, you, you're not really capturing anything as a whole. Um, so, you know, I just thought, well, what do I, what do I like? And 
how do I explain that to someone reading this? And I don't know, just kind of just wrote it and I read it and I was like, yeah, it feels good. I feel like yeah. if I was somebody on this website, they they might like that. And well, yeah. And um, let's see here. I, I want to jot something down because I because I don't forget about it. But um, I'm just going to read the first line. It says, I've always found average day people to have some of the most inspiring stories. And that's exactly what you've just been talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're talking about shooting on the street, uh, exactly that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, um, I had this, this show hasn't run yet. I, I interviewed a guy from Cleveland, Bob Soltis. By, by the time this show runs, that, that one will have already have already dropped mm -hmm. and um he's basically a professional communicator and he actually teaches people how to present their photography in um portfolio reviews and, and how mm -hmm. to talk about their work and he said something that i just i never thought of i've been, i've been through lots of sales and communication training in my career and he said the most basic thing he says you treat it like an elevator speech. Whenever you take mm -hmm. a sales class, sales course, they always yeah. talk about the elevator speech. In one sentence, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And um, and he rattled off his <laughs> elevator speech that he does when he presents presents his portfolio. And I go, gee, that makes so much sense. It yeah. makes it a lot easier <laughs> than struggling. And I'm not going to say it. I actually we use it for part of the title for his uh, his show. But uh, and that's that's basically what yours is. I mean, it's a simple elevator speech. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, I I just want to thank you for just being so clear and concise. I wish right. more people did it. And uh, no problem. I don't mean to insult anybody. <laughs> well, I, I just think if I think if anybody wants to write an artist statement you know i you have to put a bit of your personality into it yes and you, and you also have to say with intent and um you you, you want to be honest with yourself and you want to be honest with whoever is looking at it so um and and i it's funny that you bring up the elevator pitch that's something that's talked about a lot um not just for the artist statement just mm -hmm. also for film in general when you're presenting an idea to somebody yeah you have to make it as simple as possible and there's a a great a great director um who does stage plays and i don't know if anybody knows him his name's david mamet um yeah he he had made a movie called yes. glenn gary glenn ross yeah it was adapted oh my god it's a phenomenal movie yes. and it's it's adapted from his play as well so he he had he has a book that my friend uh let me borrow and i read through it and he, he said in the book i can't remember the name of it but um he said in the book when you're writing your script you have to keep it simple and you have to keep it stupid because you have to get through you have to get people through two hours of what you're trying to trying to tell and the same thing goes for when you're trying to write an artist statement write a paper an essay whatever um you just gotta keep it as simple as possible and you don't want to lose somebody uh when you're telling about them so the elevator pitch is a it's a a great skill to have i'm not saying that i'm perfect at it but but you got to get people hooked as soon as possible yeah 
Yeah, it's uh, it's always a good thing to keep in mind. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, Mick and Morty, right? Yep. Mick yep, and Morty. Yep, yep. It's the leads. <laughs> it's the leads. And and oh my, I love that movie so much. I mean, <laughs> such a great cast. Yes. Um, Al Pacino in that movie in my opinion, steals the whole show. He is, mm-hmm. and that movie is just filled with monologues. And for, yeah. for, for movies where it's the picture tells a story, it does for this movie, but it, it's, it's all about the dialogue. And David Mamet is a master at writing, not only engaging, thought-provoking dialogue, but he just keeps you interested the whole time. I mean, it's just beat after beat after beat after beat. So. You know, even that opening shot to Al Pacino's monologue, it's, oh, it's so good. It's a phenomenal movie. It really is. And if someone has said, told you, well, we're going to go see this movie. It's about a bunch of salespeople sitting around whining all day. Like, ah, <laughs> I don't want to see that, but it exactly. is brilliant. What, exactly. what else did he make? Um, I, I, I don't know if he's made, I've only seen that movie of his, okay. but I, I, I did experience one of his uh plays that was uh in norfolk um oh i'm trying to think what was it called um give me give me one second but anyway yeah, it's um, all right. it was an off off broadway play so we went to go see it and we had these actors in and it was a predominantly um black cast and then they mm-hmm. had another main character that was white and they they all work in a law firm and they're trying and they're the de- they're the defense for this case about this guy who had sexually assaulted this woman and ended up killing her Ooh. so race became a big conversation within the play mm-hmm. and that's another thing is that it, it you don't see this a lot is there's not enough controversy and not to say that the play was um there was no ill will in the play it was just bringing up dialogue for people to think about it was just supposed to make you think about how these characters are and relating it into the real world hmm. so there was a lot of we went to that me and my friends went to that we enjoyed it from beginning to end but there was a lot of people in there that didn't like it and they walked up and left and and you know that's that's fine i i totally get that but it's it, it's a it's a shame because you know i i I tend to like thing. I, I tend to like sitting through the whole way through a play or or, or a movie, even if I hate it, because you never know what's going to happen later on. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't walked out of many movies. I did <laughs> walk out of El Topo. Do you ever see that? That you walked out of that movie? Oh, oh you know what? Or man. Might, maybe it wasn't. El, there was two of them. The other one was Viva La, Viva La Muerte. I haven't seen that one. Yodorowsky. Oh my goodness. He is. He's a phenomenal director. I love that movie. And that's, that's (laughs) just so gruesome. Uh, It's so gruesome, but it's a wild experience the whole way through like this acid (laughs) Western. (laughs) I I think you should revisit it. I saw it in college. So did you, did you go see it when like midnight movies were a big thing? And that was emerging. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those, those, we, I took a class. It was a cult classic class, and we had talked about midnight movies, and that was the whole purpose of the, of the course. And I had seen so many movies. I don't know if you know the this professor's name's uh, H. T. Harrison, 
mm-hmm. uh, um, Harrison Travis. Um, he used to, he, he lived during that time and we had seen so many movies like um, El Topo, uh, Polyester by John Waters is another great film of mine. <laughs> it's just so wacky and absurd, but there's, there's, there's so much to be uh, told by the story, uh, like living the American dream. Uh, but yeah, oh, El Topo, Bob, come on, man. That movie's awesome. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go back and see it. Now I, I know what to expect at the beginning. Oh, so what is your overall favorite film? Do you even have one? I mean, you've probably seen so many. That's, that's the that's the question of the ages now. Or, what's your overall favorite film with the best photography? I, mm. I didn't say that right. But. Mm-hmm. I think it. I I, I I I said it before we started. Um, it has yeah. to be. It has to be Shawshank Redemption. Oh, um, Shawshank. yeah. I think. Um, You know, when I'm on the spot, I I lose a lot of yeah, memory. Me too. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. No, um, I just I I thought of one. I just wonder what what your thoughts are. Is, is the third man? Oh, it's place in in Berlin after World War Two. I I haven't seen that one. Oh, with Orson Welles. Oh, oh Orson Welles. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Go well. Go go see it. It's sort of um sort of a um. See, no, I'm drawing a blank. Okay, never mind. We'll just keep <laughs> well, on moving. Roger Deakins is the, the the he's the cinematographer for Shawshank, and he's probably widely considered one of the one of the best cinematographers. But he he is, I feel like he's only recently made a big name for himself. I mean, he um, he's just a master at what he does. I mean, Shawshank Redemption. Um, I think he helped in that uh, newer movie, 1917. I mean, he just he just knows his stuff, and uh, he's always an inspiration to see, uh, you know, see him at work. And when his movies come out, he's he's phenomenal. But if anybody hasn't seen Shawshank Redemption, I highly give it a watch. Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman's in it. Yeah, he's. Great. I don't need to say. I don't need to say more. I mean, it's Morgan Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I I told you, we talked about this before we started, but uh, yeah, that was filmed in Mansfield, Ohio, at, at mm-hmm. the old Mansfield Reformatory. Mm-hmm. part of it's still there but uh you you can tour it it's it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh pretty interesting and, and around mansfield in the town all they talk is talk about is shawshank it's just a you know, small small town in north central ohio but i think uh i think it kind of relates to what we were talking about earlier though and just shawshank as a whole is that you do encounter these average day people and they just have as these characters and they just have they seem so average yeah they're in prison that's already like an interesting yeah. factor for the movie but for the main character he starts off as a, mm-hmm. as a he worked he worked at a bank an accountant oh, yeah so yeah. he's just this average day guy thrown into this fantastical uh, situation of just being in prison and building relationships and trying to i, I don't want to spoil anything for them uh for anybody who hasn't seen the movie but um trying to uh to escape from the prison so it's interesting to see all of that unfold um and with the shots in that movie everything is so specific with the lighting um and the lighting co- compared with the setting 
is very very important there's a there's a shot in the movie where they're putting tar on a roof and they're re-roofing something and the main character goes up to the head guard and almost gets killed by him but he ends up um making a name for himself as a prison and the lighting in that is very orange and warm and it's it's at dusk so it, it feels like you've been through a hard day's work and he, the main character just sits by himself as he sees all of his friends just enjoy um just enjoy themselves with a, a nice cold beer that he that he got them free so <laughs> compared to the rest of the movie it's very dark it's cold it's gray it's very blue um and to see that it's it, it's it's hopeful so i like that i like that bit Who, who's the maker is it tim robbins yeah it is tim robbins, tim yes. robbins. Yeah. yeah he's in um he's in a, a pro i know we're going way off track here but uh, <laughs> i love talking about films but movies uh, are fun <laughs> they are fun and uh he um he's in uh program on um apple tv apple tv plus called silo oh and okay. you, you have to watch it's very well done um i read the books the books were uh, self-published books the guy published them on amazon they were like three bucks a piece mm-hmm. the series first one was called wool and i forget the other two i read all three of them and so this is like the first book in the series and it takes place in this big silo that's in the ground it's like hundreds of stories deep mm-hmm. and these people don't know where they came from why it's there you know it's like in the future and uh it's they did a wonderful a lot of times when they adapt a book into a movie or a television program that's not particularly great but it can get, it can a get wonderful messy job <laughs> yeah yeah and uh they, they did a wonderful job so i highly recommend it to you and oh. everybody who's listening Forget about photography. Love- go watch it. Go watch it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We should get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm going to, okay. Well, that leads me to a question. So uh, being a filmmaker, somebody who pays mm-hmm. very close attention to film and, and photography and films, what, what should we look for when we're watching a film in terms of, say, something that attracts us to the way it's photographed? What should we look at to be able to dissect it or maybe learn from it to apply that to our own still photography anything come to mind i would just i would just say um pay attention what's in your frame that's 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 i feel like that's a a Mm no-brainer um with film it's it's with images it's oh you know with film and images i think it's i think it's important i think when you're taking a picture or you're filming something how is it relating to the story that you're telling um so and that's 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 all you know being a dp i think is yeah lighting is a huge effect um you know composition is very important but it's like okay what is going on in your frame what's in it what's not in it um what are you telling your audience what are you not telling them um and photography i feel like it might be the same way but more so showing and letting the person kind of figure out okay what is this person saying now so and everyone always finds a different interpretation of it but i think i think what do you have in your frame to tell a story is to me i think it's a no-brainer yeah when you're watching a film or a television show 
those moments go by really fast. But the photograph, mm-hmm. you can keep looking at it. You can go exactly. back and look at it. And I and I think that's what I like about photography is you could you take as much time as you need. Street photography, maybe not so much, but if you have a planned photo shoot, take as much time as you need to figure out what is going on. And then for street photography, find something, you know, just find what's going on in that image, whether it's someone riding a bike or I even like some of these photos on uh on your website that you posted um for your magazines that there was one um I'm on your back issues section um from February 2021 I mean I just love the cover of the magazine in general this silhouetted man with the with the towering structure of a building over him and the building looks just so interesting um but you there's this photo on here that I just absolutely love it's very noir um the spy who came in from the fog by Valerie oh Valerie yeah that photo is amazing i mean you already have the fog that gives it this noir setting the silhouetted subject and uh and this 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 looks like a a church or a cathedral in the background and these the sunlight just beaming right through it so you know this this could be a shot from a movie i mean it's like the you have your rule of thirds and everything so i mean I, I, it looks like the exorcist honestly <laughs> like it just looks great yeah that's a great photo i yeah. I, I was thinking you're referring to another valerie but uh yes i i remember uh remember choosing that one mm-hmm. and, one, of, uh, one of my favorite photographers uh uh, uh louise horror Fowler. I, I have a hard time saying <laughs> his name um he's like an earlier way earlier street photography photographer from like the 50s or so but he he always found like interesting people uh to photograph and you know um there's a famous photo that he took of two twins with uh and they're both wearing glasses and their hair is short but curly and they just look the exact same but he just took a photo of them looking dead into the lens and i i think in new york and that's that's the kind of photography street photography that i like is looking at just keeping your eyes open and looking out for those sorts of people that just they're average day people but mm-hmm. you know you just like i said to my statement they're average day people but you just look at the photo and you're like it's just so like it's like you know just passing the street and you just see these two twins walk by and you, you just take notice of that and you're like huh i wonder what they're all, like what's their story what, what that's all about yeah so. that's a very good point well what was the photographer's name or uh louise forer i believe uh fower uh l-o-u-i-s-f-a-u-r-e-r um he's 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 a he's a good photographer he's one of my favorites um but when i was doing street photography sorry i keep talking i when i'm nervous i just go on a roll yeah Um, that's fine that's fine it's it's crazy of how early street photography started like back in, oh yeah back in france it's it's insane it's crazy how how early it started and they just they had to use large format cameras and their okay. iso was probably like six and they uh, yeah <laughs> had to get the biggest lens that they could put on there to let in so much light so yeah we're i i feel like we live in a we definitely live in a, a day and age where we're very blessed to have yeah you, i mean you look at 
a lot of the old photos from the 40s, 50s, you know, like uh, Cartier-Bresson. His photos weren't tack sharp. Yeah. Um, most people's weren't. You know, the, the uh, film was so slow. Mm-hmm. and uh, But they're still fabulous photos. And now we have this almost perfect gear. Mm-hmm. And they still don't have to be tack sharp. A lot of people get criticized because they're not. <laughs> uh, we won't go there, but uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, it's funny you were you were talking about the um, uh, the the twins and mm-hmm. how you, how you basically said like everybody has a story, and uh, I just I I had uh, coffee with a photojournalist yesterday. Um, Justin Ive is his name. He lives here. He used to work for like the Boston Herald and, you know, big publications. Does a lot of freelance. And uh, he was showing me his work. He just did such beautiful work. And, on you know, things like going to somebody's farm or you're in somebody, just somebody's house with their family. Mm-hmm. And he, and I go, I go yeah, you just find a story everywhere. And he goes, that's <laughs> the way it is. He says, I think about, when I'm on an airplane, I look down, I see all the lights on all the, the homes and the buildings. And he says, I think every one of those lights has a story. I agree. So I, I, I love that. Yeah. And I go, wow, you're right. <laughs> Never complain that there's nothing to shoot. Exactly. Exactly. There's always something, even, even if it's the most mundane thing, there's, there's something about it. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I like that statement a lot. What, what's, what's his name? Justin, what? I-V-E. Yeah, we just uh, he happened to subscribe to the magazine, and I, I read his, his uh, profile. He lives like 10 miles from me. So I go, well, oh, we great. have to get together. <laughs> I'd love to meet him. He sounds awesome. <laughs> hey, yeah, you should. Well, you're you're close, so you should. Come on, come out here and meet him. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. That's an interesting point. Um, so I guess I, I, I'm trying to think. I, how did how did you get into street photography and what was what was your your inspiration to do that good question that's a very good question well i grew up in the 50s 60s and my parents uh my parents always had life magazine and look magazine of course and everything was black and white i think the whole world was black and white then <laughs> And uh, so I just remember looking at these magazines, uh, uh, National Geographic too. But I just loved lo- looking at the pictures when I was a little kid, and and I liked the, I think that style. Uh, and there were some very famous photographers who shot for Life magazine. W. Eugene Smith, well worth checking out. Um, and I, you know, that just was always like somehow burned into my brain and so i was always attracted to sort of um documentary style of photography um street photography is uh, i'm not even going to get into what it is because i I get hate (laughs) mail or love mail whatever but uh um but that was always burned into my brain and and i was always interested in photography my parents got me a dark room kit when i was 10 years old and I'd take the family brownie camera out and take photos and develop them. All I made were, were contact sheets because I didn't have an enlarger at the time. And took photography in college, always had a camera, and just 
you know, I just like always done it. Mm-hmm. And I've always been attracted to more of a documentary style, jo- photojournalistic style photography. And street photography just just fit the bill and started doing it before I knew what it even was, before mm-hmm. I knew it had a name. Mm-hmm. I started the magazine as an offshoot of my web development business um, because of the types of, of websites I developed for people who do training and coaching and things like that. And, and, uh, I won't go into the whole, I've, I've, I've told him many times. I don't want, I don't <laughs> no, that's fair. This is, this is just for me. I, I just yeah, want, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your so audience was, is just like rolling their eyes. Like, yeah, Bob, we've heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to say, though, like looking through your website and everything, I, I do think. Because I, I. I don't know if if you feel the same way, but I I, I relate to how you pick your shots when you're when you're picking. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just saying this because you picked mine. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> you like my taste. Though. Yeah, I like your taste. No, I really do. I think I think. For someone like yourself, who's been in this in this industry for a very, very long time. So I'm only I'm only just learning now from the great master. <laughs> um, no, but it's not I, me. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> I definitely think that you know your you and your your team. I'm assuming have a very very good eye. And I, if I was there, I'd be like, hey, that's that's the shot I would I would pick. Like this uh, this one picture called it's entitled by David Winkler, and it's oh, this really this lady this lady in a pink dress and she's painting. This 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 yeah. this post or whatever read and you know I mean I would have if I saw that I'm like yeah I love that photo that's perfect like <laughs> there's no question about it <laughs> I have to tell him you said that he, he lives in L A so you see see a lot of things like that I forget he told me the story behind that one I had forgotten about it yeah he's he's an interesting guy he's a retired policeman he works with the homeless interesting helping yeah. Uh, it, it, They've got a big homeless problem, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, um, he photographs them a lot, of course, with their, with their permission. She, she's mm-hmm. not a homeless person, but, uh, mm-hmm. he's quite a guy. Yeah. That's, he puts his money where his mouth is. I always, I always find it a little tricky, like ethically wise to take yeah. photos of, take photos of people in, in a, in a hard point in their life, but yeah, engaging in dialogue, not only helps myself but also telling them what you're doing and explaining it to them and just you know asking permission sometimes asking forgiveness is later before before asking permission is good but i think asking permission when you're out doing street photography is always always important to keep that in mind sometimes yep it's in the moment you want to get the shot but with something of a like as 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 it's something with a sensitivity of that nature is it's always important to make sure you're you're making the correct choices yeah you know you just have to have respect for the person you're photographing i yeah i 100 percent agree and however you show that respect is, is the right thing to do um uh, i think I, I used to there used to be a website i don't know if it's still around hopefully it's gone called the people of walmart <laughs> that and, sounds awesome well, yeah, it is, but it's like people with their cell phones walking around Walmart taking a picture of somebody maybe leaning over to 
get something on a bottom shelf and they take a picture of their butt crack you know things like that. <laughs> that's not that's not showing respect no it's not it's yeah. not i mean and, uh, to to a viewer it's funny but i mean whoever you, you yeah. also have to think that well that's that's not very it's not very appropriate for what you're what you're doing so no and i 100 no. agree yeah yeah so anyway but uh yeah that's good so um any um can you tell us where people can find you and see see more about you more about your work yeah, oh, we didn't even talk about your short films and your documentary <laughs> I, I feel bad you know i got a number I, of funny things thank you thank you yeah. is pillbuzz is my uh, i guess you can call it a brainchild i won't go into too much detail about it it's it's my my most recent um short film that i made uh with no budget and I made the most of it, but um, I'll let I'll let my work speak for them for itself. If people want to go check it out, on uh, you just type in Huggin S B H U G G I N S B dot myportfolio dot com. Uh, hope you enjoy my work. Just let it speak for itself. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm really only on Instagram, uh, and that's just Sam Huggy. Uh, S-A-M-H-U-G-G-I, all one word, lowercase. I've never done my, a plug, so this is this is this is kind of fun. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm all new to this. Well, really, and you're a podcaster or a former podcaster. Former former podcaster. So I'm yeah. a little used to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of that going around. Yeah. I've been a former podcaster several times. Just not this time. <laughs> You're like well, number 159, I think, something like that. <laughs> I'll take it. Ah, yeah. Oh, I'll write that on my wall. Number 159. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, you know, I did want to say one other thing, and that's um you did your, you know, as, as a recovering web developer, you you did your website on Adobe portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I like how you did it. Um I've thought about switching my own over to Adobe portfolio. I was playing with it a lot. And you know, a lot of people are looking for, you know, want to start a website. And if you're, you know, like most photographers, we have have um you know Adobe Adobe Cloud uh um accounts and you mm -hmm. automatically get Adobe mm -hmm. portfolio. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really nice. It's so easy, easy to use and it's, it's so easy to use. It's so easy. There's so many um, templates that you can choose from yeah. just to get it going. But I would say if you choose a template and then just make it your own after that, and it's, it, it makes it incredibly easy. And if you want to update it, it's very easy to update, put more yeah. images on there, take some off, whatever. Yep. Especially if you're using the new Lightroom. Exactly. It's exactly it's right there. I mean, it, it's very well done. Very good. So I, and, and I was <laughs> glad you. to see the way you you used it, and uh, something I never even thought of. So, so make sure you go check out Sam's uh, website. Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah. So, thanks again. Uh, I'm glad we were able to connect. And if you ever find yourself out my way, let me know. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send some more stuff. I got I got some stuff in the bank still. So, cool. Yeah. Cool. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review 
in Apple Podcasts, or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track, and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine. Mm-hmm.